I think with like three laps to go on this thing, um, I, or two laps to go, I, I decided to make like a big move and, and they let me get like way out front and I just completely blew up. <laughs> they reeled me back and spit me out the back. And I think I finished like 22nd or something out of 30. And it was just like a total awesome learning experience. I remember. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up? And welcome to episode 37 of Life in Motion. I've got Luke Hall on the line, a bike packer who's traveled thousands of miles across the United States, and more recently, he's become the coach of the world's first high school-sponsored gravel racing team at Thaden School in Bentonville. Excited to hear more about those in a bit, but Luke, thank you for being on the show today. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So before we kind of get into your bikepacking stories and kind of everything that you have going <laughs> on with um, the gravel team, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, kind of, you know, your, the, your background, where you grew up, hobbies you had growing up. Basically, how did you end up to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I actually grew up on a farm in rural southeast Kansas, about an, a little bit of an hour away from northwest Arkansas. Um, and uh, I mean, we had hundreds of acres to explore. Um, we grew up right on a, on a reservoir. So there was constantly stuff to do. So like fishing and a lot of bike riding, um, <laughs> making a lot of really, uh, bad ramps uh, that always like <laughs> fell apart right at the wrong time. Um, <laughs> so right, right as you're going up, had, I'm right. <laughs> yes. And, and I just had a lot of time on my hands. I got into, um, BMX bikes kind of at an, at an earlier age. Okay. Um, and so, um, constantly it was collecting really, uh, bad Walmart bikes and, um, taking parts off of some and throwing them on another and <laughs> having one working bike at all times. But so have you, uh, have you been to the wine glass ramps? No. What is that? It's, uh, I think it's a guy, it's somewhere in Kansas. I have no clue where I, I ride BMX myself still kind of, mm -hmm. um, but he's in Kansas. I don't know where I've been there one time. I think his name is Dave. And he basically has this like huge, like backyard ramp set up that he, I, I follow him on Instagram. And oh, I swear man. it's like every six months he's changing a different feature and like just completely ripping it down and just building something completely new. Um, oh, that's so cool. they're, they're called the wine glass ramps. Um, and I think okay. every, every year they have a big, um, like a big jam there or whatever. But anyways, I, I didn't know if you were maybe close to him or not, but <laughs> no, um, I'd never heard of those. Those sound awesome though. Yeah. They're pretty sweet, but sorry. Anyways, that's all good. Um, I, uh, got into, uh, running in high school, um, competed at a pretty high level, went on to run in college as well. Um, and ran a little bit of amateur as well. Um, but I never, I ended up, uh, overtraining quite a bit because, um, that's just the kind of person that I am and ended up getting a stress fracture in my, um, right foot that just never, ever healed properly. So, um, I wasn't able to like ever pick up running again, which was pretty sad and, and made me pretty depressed to be honest. Um, and I resorted to a lot of uh, ugly habits. 
um, a lot of heavy blackout drinking, um, cigarettes, drugs, like it just, it's something to fill that void of, of having, um, strong purpose and structure in my life. So whenever I found a bike, um, things like really started to change for me. And, uh, yeah, I started to find that structure again. So, so basically kind of how that happened was, um, basically cause you sort of lost that, that outlet almost from running. It sounds like. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's really like endurance sports are really interesting, um, to me in that, like we commit ourselves to, uh, like suffering day in and day out in order to have like this one big moment of, of suffering and on like a very big performance day. Right. Well, I don't know it to me it seems like endurance athletes especially are all battling um some strange demons and we're all trying to like keep them at bay by um by working on those things on on like a bike or running or or rowing or whatever kind of endurance sport there is that's interesting that that makes sense though so how with that i guess kind of um the running and then the the injury and kind of going through that phase how how did you eventually kind of get back into biking at that point like what kind of what kind of opportunity popped up really like, hey maybe i should start doing this instead or so um i was actually in a really um crappy relationship <laughs> um a person that was uh very controlling um and very uh just didn't want me to have like any other friends beyond her and and it was a really bad situation um so i ended up buying a bike off of craigslist um to try and find another hobby and that ended up being like kind of my my outlet i would go on i got to go on group rides and and got to kind of start socializing again and um yeah, found myself like uh, developing a, a strong structure of, of riding three times a week, and then it became four times a week, um, five, six, seven, and then it just started kind of consuming my life. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so so that's cool that you kind of got into that and, and started doing the group ride and kind of led as a different outlet, um, which is kind of. Uh, I, and I appreciate you sharing that story with me actually, cause it, that's something that, um, to kind of sort of go off, off subject, but that's kind of one of the things that I've always, um, believed in, you know, whether that be like action sports, like skateboarding or things like riding a bike or whatever that mm-hmm. is that, you know, a lot of people will stereotype those activities. It's like, Oh, there's a punk kid doing, you know, grinding on some ledge or, you know, whatever that is. Yep. But at the same time, it can actually be used as a tool almost and an outlet for, um, you know, re- re- real things, you know? So that's, um, so that's kind of cool to hear that, that, that kind of affected you in that way. So I appreciate you sharing that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But, I think, um, I think whenever we find the thing that we are super good at, um, especially whenever it comes to like, um, physical activity, I think that we start to express ourselves in a different way and it, and it opens us up to um, under understanding who we are in a deeper way. Yeah, no, that, that totally, totally makes sense. 
So, so you kind of got um, into that and started riding more heavy and, and, you know, three, four times a week. When did, I guess, when did the, tra- and, and were those mainly like group rides and stuff, or did you slowly get into like longer, like rides and races and different events and that kind of stuff? Or did that come, come later? Yeah. So I, I started group riding and I did that for about a year. And then I entered my first um, Cap 5 uh, road race. Um, so I had this, uh, $150 1988 Schwinn circuit, um, with down two chip shifters and I had a cotton Jersey and I showed up to this, uh, showed up to this race and I swear to God, there's all these, you know, there's all these other guys that have, um, $3,000 carbon fiber bikes and, and, uh, and fully kitted out. They already have the team that they're assigned to or whatever, and uh, I just remember them staying as far away from me as possible because because <laughs> I think they were just really sketched out by this um, by this kid who obviously did not know what he was doing. Um, and I was like super sketched out. It was a really um, rough race to learn off of. But um, I think with like three laps to go on this thing um i or two laps to go i i decided to make like a big move and and they let me get like way out front and i just completely blew up (laughs) they reeled me back and spit me out the back and i think i finished like 22nd or something out of 30 and it was just like a total awesome learning experience i remember afterwards i was just like oh my god i'm i'm so hooked and that was the last race of the season. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to put in a lot of effort over the winter and I'm going to see, uh, see where my performance is at after that. Um, unfortunately that spring, whenever that spring rolled around, um, my buddy Tyler and I ended up getting hit by a car on a training ride and, oh. uh, had to do, um, six months worth of physical therapy to, to get back to a functioning functioning leg (laughs) wow yeah and that was that was pretty crazy so that's yeah wow that is that is super unfortunate so how did um kind of with that um so how so that was you said six months of rehab and stuff. were there any did you have to uh, surgery or anything like that or just like a cast and had a way and take it off or what? No, I actually didn't. This is kind of crazy. I I've never broken a bone, um, and I so I didn't break any bones on this one. I flew <laughs> pretty far in the air. I, it just blows my mind that I didn't break any bones during this. But um, I ended up getting like t-boned by this lady. My buddy Tyler t-boned her, and um, it, it threw my hip alignment off by a ton. And for them to get it realigned to where um, where it was fully usable was like a really long process, I guess. Interesting. So your yeah. so your bones are made of rubber. Your joints are not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what? So so what was that like then? Kind of that six months after you know you just kind of entered your first race and were training and all that stuff, and then that happens on the off season. What, what was kind of that like kind of having to sit, sit down again for, for six months before you could, you know, really get back on it. 
all I could think about, honestly, was getting back on the bike. It was the thing that like probably drove me the most was just thinking about how, how much I'd already improved my fitness and how much I was ready to improve it more and put in more work. Um, I was obviously very like frustrated at, at the situation, but um, I knew that if I was like patient, then, then it was going to be fine. And there were some days that it was really hard to be patient getting up at, I think it was like five 30 in the morning to drive an hour to physical therapy was oh, wow. like, yeah, it was like some really frustrating moments in there for sure. Wow. So then what was after getting through all that, what was kind of the comeback story from, from all that? So what was awesome, and this is almost like that movie, uh, Rookie of the Year, was yeah. that I came back um, and had my first race and, and won my first race. And it was like <laughs> um, this like incredible moment of being like, okay, my patience and my, uh, my training is like paid off. I just needed to, to remember that in, in the moment of, the, of that, my most frustrating moments too, you know? That's awesome. And you did that um, all on the Schwinn, right? uh that one so i ended up um i ended up building up this uh specialized delay uh aluminum uh road bike and uh that was the bike that i got hit on um so it completely uh dented the frame and and made it unusable actually i still have it i think um and i had to um well, that her insurance ended up actually got me a new bike, so that was that was pretty awesome. I ended up yeah. getting my first carbon carbon road bike. That's, that's a, so you're a little more more bike appropriate for that next race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, ended, I, I ended up being the 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 guy that um, that I <laughs> looking at the at the kids with the dentist gender. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So. Um, so with, and that's kind of, um, that's, yeah, that's kind of an interesting kind of, uh, series of events that kind of led to that. So, so one thing that, um, you know, I know you've, you spoke about, um, at Mappy hour and that kind of stuff is bike packing. Um, yeah. what I, I'm sure it's exactly what it sounds as, but just in case, what is bike packing and kind of, how is that different from any other kind of ride or anything like that? So bikepacking, I think, can be best described as like a newer form of um, bike touring. Um, typically, whenever you see like a bike tour, somebody on a bike tour, they have uh, panniers um, and, and, or like a rear rack coming off of their bike and some bags loaded onto that. Um, and bikepacking is all about how much you can how much less excuse me you can get away with um so all of the bags are strapped onto the frame um and they there is no like metal rack to attach it to um so it's a little it's a lot more lightweight than your typical bike touring um typically we'll carry quite a bit less just because we have less space to carry those things as well um and bike packing um, is generally done off-road as well. So a lot of like gravel roads or um, single track. 
and I think that's probably the main main big difference between like bike touring and, and bike packing. Interesting. No, that's that's awesome though. So, um, so it's kind of more or less a, a very streamlined version with like uh you know the bags and stuff probably in between the the top and down tube and and kind of that yes. way you carry everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's see here. They've got, uh, you got a frame bag that'll go on the inner triangle of your, of your frame set. Um, typically there's like a handlebar roll, um, and that'll kind of mount in, in front of your handlebars between, um, between your handlebars. And then there's like a seat pack, um, and that attaches to your seat post and to your seat rails and it'll hang off the back quite a ways. Um, and that's like where you store quite a bit of your sleeping system. Um, you can also store that in your front handlebar bag too. So, so how, like, so when you go on these, I'm, I'm sure are there, you know, probably just kind of get up with some buddies and whatnot and kind of go pick a place. Um, I'm, I would imagine at least how long, how, how, I guess how long um, at a, how much at a time there we go um <laughs> do you go on on those like is it like a couple of days is it a week is it however long you're feeling like i guess what is the longest that you've been so the longest that i've been was the arkansas high country race um okay. and that was a thousand and thirty six miles wow um it was also something like eighty five thousand feet of climbing so <laughs> close to <laughs> close to three times up Everest. Um, oh my goodness. And it just, it was, uh, grueling, honestly, it was day in and day out. And, and, um, we were trying for a pretty specific time. Um, and we didn't quite get there. We were trying for eight days and, uh, we ended up with like eight days and 11 hours. So about 140, uh, miles a day. I think we're usually on the bike about um, 14 or 15 hours a day. I mean, 114 or whatnot uh, miles a day. I mean, that doesn't seem too, too bad on a bike going up and down elevations and whatnot, <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> oh man. And, and some of the roads that um, Chuck Campbell, the organizer put us on were just absolutely ludicrous. Um, there's this uh, mountain and, in south central or sorry in central uh arkansas called poto mountain and i mean it was like 22 percent grades it was insane holy cow so what what does that look like you know for those those eight days um you know it's, it's not like you're on the bike for a fair amount of time but i mean that's that's pretty um a lot of endurance to do all of that and stay, stay at a steady speed, I'm sure. And kind of everything. So what, what sort of was that particular event like? Um, so we, um, would typically carry about a couple of days worth of food with us. Um, we would get up at, at a pretty early time, usually around like six or seven. Um, and I did this in proximity to my friend, uh, Jeremy. Um, I'd never actually done any bike packing before. So like any good idiot, I, uh, went ahead and did this thousand mile race as my first trip. Why not? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, um, and so like we would get up pretty early and, um, 
I think we ended up figuring out, I mean, it, it was done in June. So it was just probably the hottest time that possible for yeah. to do something like this. And the humidity um, too, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all of it. So, <laughs> so we would end up like taking like mid afternoon naps, you know, um, between two and four hours just to try and extend our time in the, at night. Cause like night was obviously the better time to be riding. Um, and sometimes we would ride until one or two in the morning before we'd set up camp. So as far as like setting up camp, do you, did you have like predetermined places or like just kind of wherever you made it that day or we, yeah, it was kind of like wherever we made it that day. We were super lucky, honestly, and our camp schedule ended up being pretty on point. Um, the very first night, uh, we rode 170 miles and ended up um, at this, actually, this is so fantastic. Uh, we ended up at this, uh, what I, I could kind of see in the dark and it was, it looked like it was a cemetery and they had like this little overhanging um, kind of hangout area, I guess, for um, people in mourning. And um, so we went to sleep and the next day, <laughs> wake up and there's a there's an outhouse like <laughs> 20 feet away like a legit um you know crescent moon uh, <laughs> outhouse <laughs> full of spiders and whatever but like what a way to start off your bikepacking trip is like an actual accommodations like that oh was so fantastic so good uh you probably didn't have that the rest of the way though right <laughs> no <laughs> no but i mean we let's see here we ended up staying at a at a state park we ended up staying actually we ended up staying at like a couple of different state parks um we ended up staying at one hotel um just to kind of get the grime off uh, where else did we stay um i actually i ended up like staying in my own home um, really? because because of the fact that like we were so close to the route um, I just rode, rode back home and I, and I slept in my own bed. That was freaking <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Not very many opportunities where you get to have that. So like, I was pretty excited to, to shower in my own shower and sleep in my own bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I know. Um, so, and that sounds like a pretty, pretty good way to, uh, to get started with the whole bikepacking thing. Um, yeah. What is, have you done many uh, rides since then or what's the next big, uh, big thing on the list? If there is a list. So um, I definitely want to do the high country again. I, I can see where I may have like wasted some time or been a little bit slower of getting out of gas stations and stuff like that. Um, it's really tough whenever you're trying to race these kinds of things because you go into a gas station, you sit down for a couple of minutes and the last thing you want to do is get back up and get on. Yeah. Your bike. Um, <laughs> you literally just spent all day trying to get somewhere and, and this is as good as it gets. It's like sitting in a gas station eating fried chicken. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but like I, I'm definitely going to do the the high country again. Um, I think they moved the date to October, which kind of changes things up quite a bit. Um, may have to carry some heavier clothing um, stuff that'll keep me warmer. Yeah. Um, I did the Kansas Cannonball 550, 
Um, that was last October. Um, and that was a really phenomenal experience. I, uh, since I grew up in Kansas, I grew up maybe an hour, a little bit over an hour away from Emporia, Kansas. Okay. Um, which everybody kind of acknowledges as the home of gravel cycling as we know it, but dirty Kansas. Um, and so like getting to ride all these Kansas roads really brought back a, a lot of nostalgia from running on, on those same kind of roads and, and um, just all the different towns that I almost forgot about really. That's awesome. I think that's kind of like one of the coolest things about bikepacking, honestly, is that you and, and gravel riding is that you end up going through these really remote towns. Um, with, you know, thousand people live there or whatever. They've got one store. <laughs> and it's just this quiet little peaceful haven that you would never really think about or consider um, otherwise. Yeah. And it's, and it's probably cool too. Cause I mean, you can, um, you know, obviously if you're traveling, you could potentially drive through those places, but still being in kind of the, you know, more or less slowing down by riding your bike through there and kind of being able to take it in yes. a little bit more, especially if you're able to, you know, pop in, you know, at that one gas station for a drink or fried chicken. But so that's, that's yep. it's a, it's a, it sounds like it's a cool, cool way to experience rather than, like I said, just driving, driving through somewhere. So. Yeah, um, I, I really think that like slowing it down is is the is the big point of that. Um, whenever you can slow it down, it's. I mean, yeah, you can you can drive through all the national parks you want, but like, whenever you slow down to a walking or uh, bike riding pace, it's it, you just absorb so much more. Yeah, that and that's that's awesome. That sounds like um, that would be a big part of the experience rather than just trying to, you know, race against everybody as well. Kind of, kind of connect. It's a, it's, it's a different way to connect with the outside and outdoors and nature and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. So kind of with this whole, um, you know, kind of from your, from your background growing up, kind of bikes have stayed, um, a big part of your life. Um, and you've done some pretty, uh, and impressive rides and stuff like that. And it sounds like recently you've gotten an opportunity to um, more or less kind of give back to um, some kids with um, the Fade in School gravel team. Um, tell uh, what, what, what is that all about? Uh, kind of how did that come up? Because I know sort of uh, different programs like that are kind of um, sort of new to two different schools. So let's talk about that a little bit. So, um, let's see here. A couple of years ago, uh, Faden was looking for um, coaches to help out with their uh, NICA team, their National Interscholastic Cycling Association team, um, so mountain biking. And, um, and I gladly jumped on board because Faden is a really special school. It is, uh, has three main focuses, which is uh, meals, reels, and wheels. Um, so culinary, uh, film, and then bicycles. Because I think that all of those uh, those three main components you can relate to just about anything in life. Yeah. Um, 
And so whenever I saw that they held the bicycle in such high regard, I knew that that was like a place that I wanted to, to be a part of. Um, earlier, let's see here, this last fall, um, we had a student in his last year um, wanting to create a gravel team program. And the more that he researched it, um, the more that he just realized that this may be the very first one in the entire world, um, which is really, really special. Um, the idea of getting teenagers out on bikes um, as a form of release and, and discipline is, is just, I mean, it's awesome. It, it, it's a life changer in my opinion. Yeah. So how, how come you don't, or is there any reason why you think that there wasn't another you know, gravel specific team out there before? Like why something? I think, you know, gravel is just a, such a highly specialized um, and new form that it's not necessarily like picked up um, in the mainstream just yet. Um, and it's not like, you know, we had, we, we didn't have um, necessarily high school specific class uh, at, at races that we went to. Um, although I think uh, gravel grinder nationals up in Lawrence, Kansas, I think they have a, a high school specific class, but um, I think just the idea of getting, getting these kids out on remote uh, roads, experiencing some places of Arkansas that, that they would normally never, never experience and never see, you know, Arkansas has a ton of rich history and it's, it's literally all around us. So, yeah, that, that's awesome. So how many, um, how many kids are in, in that program? Um, so it's funny cause we've been, um, kind of put on hold since the coronavirus. Um, so we had, uh, about six at the very beginning. Um, and some kids realized that maybe it wasn't necessarily for them. Um, but we ended up going to, um, horse, not horsey ranch. Um, oh my gosh, why am I Hazel Valley? ranch down uh, south of Fayetteville and we did the Hazel Valley Grand Prix which is about a 60 mile um, gravel race with some really challenging climbs and descents um, and we ended up taking three three students to that that's that's awesome you kind of get some different exposure that way so what um, with so <sighs> you know, the, the typical, and I'm just, I'm just comparing this to, and I, I didn't actually play sports or anything growing up either, but mm -hmm. in like high school, you know, um, you know, I guess the typical is, you know, you go to school, you do after school practice, and then you either have a game or like you said, you go to these different races or events. Is yeah. it kind of the same, same, um, kind of the same way that you do it with them and kind of that same mindset of, you know, okay, we're going to ride or, or work on um, conditioning or whatever, you know, from for two hours after school or before school or whatever that is. And kind of just, you know, that there's an end goal of this event or this race that's coming up that you're kind of preparing for. Yeah. So, um, I mean, 
the majority of, of uh, endurance sport athleticism comes from just practicing on your aerobic system. So we would just do uh, long, slow rides all the time. Um, as we were preparing for Hazel Valley, though, we ended up doing some, some big climbing days just to kind of get their legs used to the idea that, like, there's going to be some really long climbs the, to, to do during Hazel Valley. Um, so, I mean, the majority of it was just going out and riding for, um, it was like an hour and a half on, on Wednesdays, and then Saturday mornings, uh, we'd ride for about three hours. Oh, well, yeah, sounds, doesn't sound too bad. So I know in your area is, um, definitely a big biking community. Um, and then with you being involved with the school and all that stuff as well, what, what kind of, uh, more or less, I guess, impact do you have it kind of, or see it having on the community and the kids involved and kind of, um, just that whole cycling movement in general that's sort of happening in Northwest Arkansas. I think, um, I think bikes are changing the way people uh, think around here. I think that whenever it's coming down to recreation, um, people understand that it's as easy as, you know, uh, uh, throwing on a helmet and, and going outside and going for a leisure, leisurely ride. Um, there is such a wide variety of cyclists here um, from, you know, elderly trying to keep up their fitness um, to people just like getting a, a random ride in after work or sometimes people are commuting to work um, to now a whole <laughs> class of uh of of high school and junior high and, and elementary school kids all having the chance to to ride single track i i can't tell you just how envious i am of <laughs> of the opportunity that these kids have I, I tell them all the time that like there is really no other place um in america at least that that has what you guys have right now so be very thankful for that yeah yeah, that, that's definitely a huge, huge opportunity for them. And it's, um, yeah, I'm sure it's, it could probably be hard for them to put that in perspective sometimes. I know it probably would be for me if I was in their shoes. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if that's what you kind of like grow up with and, and just always experience, then, then yeah, it's hard to have perspective. Um, I lived in Estes Park, Colorado for a little while. And I mean... It, you live in a place of such beauty and, and magnitude, but then like it becomes background so much that you just, it, it becomes second nature and it's not, it doesn't mean much after a while, you know? Yeah. 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 Kind of, kind of how that all I guess trickles down. So, um, one, one thing I'd like to kind of always ask is, um, kind of advice or tips for other people sort of, you know, that might aspire to follow a similar journey. I mean, you, um, you had a, a pretty interesting story. Um, and then how that kind of got into your bike packing and kind of your love for, for bike riding in general, you know, what, what tips or advice could you maybe offer to somebody, um, 
like that, that's kind of looking to get into uh, that sport or maybe even like a kid that might be, um, you know, maybe a middle schooler kid that, you know, knows about this program or for whatever reason he's um, shy or bashful about it. What, what would you tell him also, you know, to get involved in these sports um, or in, into the program? I think, I think what's really important is just that people get out and do it. It's, it's so easy to um, go down the rabbit hole of looking at gear and it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole of giving yourself excuses as to like why you can't. Um, what's important is establishing a structure to what you do um, and be methodical about it. So going out and saying, okay, you know what, on Monday uh, nights after I get home from work, I'm going to just go for a ride for an hour. Um, on Wednesdays, I'm going to link up with my friend Steve and I'm going to go for a ride with him for an hour and a half. Um, making sure that you have some consistency to it is really what starts to provide a really like deep relationship with the bike. Um, I think people kind of take it as this surface level engagement, uh, you know, activity, but <laughs> it, it just means so much more than that. It's a, it's such a wonderful form of transportation. And when you spend more and more time with it, you realize how much more it gives back to you, the more that you put in. Yeah, that, that, that totally, totally makes sense. And it almost becomes, um, and speaking from, from my per experience with, with BMX, you know, it kind of mm -hmm. becomes a, an extension of you in a way and not necessarily just just being on the bike in general at least um yeah my, my wrist has been kind of sprained for the past couple of months so i haven't been able to ride as much or do anything so i i, I know that urge when you can't do it <laughs> yeah yeah it can be it can feel like you're just kind of sitting on sitting on your hand i just recently um broke my frame actually um so this entire um lockdown and um you know, the best weather that we have all year, <laughs> I haven't been able to ride my bike and it's been tearing my soul apart. Honestly, that's a bummer. You know, duct tape can fix anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just wrap it up real good. Super glue duct tape. You're, you're set. No, that, that, that is a bummer though. Cause yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's a whole nother dilemma. Cause then you got the cost to fix it as well. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully I, I have it back. Um, at the end of this week well there you go and then and then you'll just you'll just go for a week-long ride and you'll you'll get right back to normal no I'm, I'm absolutely planning on on going for some really deep rides immediately to to get back some fitness <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well um where where can people find you online to see um what you're up to or what you're up to at the school or yeah kind of any shout outs like that so um Definitely follow uh, Thaden School on Instagram. Um, they're at Thaden School, and uh, their website is thadenschool.org. Um, you can follow me on on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, and Strava. Um, and mine is at Lou Call. It's L O U K A L L. Sweet. Well, Luke, thank you again for being on today's podcast and um, sharing sharing your story. I think that was actually, um, 
super, super insightful and a, and a honestly perspective that I didn't expect to hear when we jumped on this podcast. So I'm, <laughs> I'm really appreciative that you did share that. Um, yeah. and it sounds like, like, uh, you've had an awesome story, but it sounds like you're going to share and create all these, um, awesome stories and memories with, with the kids at Thaden. So, um, I, I, uh, thank you again. I definitely, I wish you all the best of luck with all that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the podcast, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion. Until next time.